You are listening to the Awake Athlete Podcast. I'm Jess Kamkowski, endurance athlete and mindset coach, here to share with you perspectives and contemplations from a 10,000-foot view of life. Welcome back, you guys, to the podcast. Um, boy, one thing that I do every time before I begin recording, every time before I begin an introduction for the Yogi Triathlete podcast, especially in the presence of our guest, which is how I do the intros now, I always take a breath. When we take that breath, it pops us right into the present moment. I was just writing about this today, this this now moment that we always have the opportunity to be aware of. And really, you guys, it's the only time that we're living is now. And all of our plans for the future, when they come, they only happen right now. They can only happen right now. Everything that happened in the past, it doesn't exist anymore unless we choose to carry it. But the more we carry, the less we're available for the now. The more we're in the future of what's next, the limitation we put on our capacity to be our best. And and that's mastery and it's moment to moment. So it's instant forgiveness when we quote unquote screw up. It is ease and grace when we are feeling overwhelmed by what's next or our to-do list. Because those things, the overwhelm or the regret or the screw ups, they're there for a reason. We have to have the contrast we have to have the contrast. So there's another piece of contrast that we have to have on this road to mastery. And it comes in the form of two things, the intuitive voice, and then the voice of the mind stuff. And the ability to discern between the two is everything to conservation of vital life force energy. It is imperative to our ability to live, train, race, and be our most powerful selves. And, you know, perhaps when I say that, like your most powerful self, if that sounds exhausting to you, I would get curious about that. Because the power that I'm talking about, it's like a steady stream of energy, the energy that creates worlds. There's nothing about it that is exhaustive. It is calm it is grounded, it is aware, it is expansive, it is intelligent, it is pure, it is knowledge, it is wisdom, it is love, peace, and light. So the intuitive voice. And the reason why I'm bringing you this episode today is because if I had a dime for every time somebody asked me, well, how do you know if you should sign up for this race or this race? How do you know if I should get the small or the medium? How do I know if it's training fatigue or if I really need sleep? How do I, how do I know? And, and they're totally normal, amazing questions. But there's a couple of things here. Those questions are there for you to get curious about. Those questions are there for you to journal about, to get quiet about, to go for a walk and just contemplate. I'm not talking about like analysis paralysis. I'm talking about feeling into what it is that's underneath that question. 
Because if we're just asking somebody, this is why I say, let's get rid of this word expert. My God, expert, blah. Expert is somebody who has stopped learning, who says, I know it all. Or let's not say that they're the ones that are holding on to that. Um, Although I will tell you, personal experience, I used to be like, I'm going to be an expert, damn it, right? Because I wanted to be the one. And I wanted to know everything because if I didn't know everything, that meant I was stupid and unworthy. And really, it was the belief that I was unworthy that needed to be looked at. It had nothing to do with this attainment of a label known as expert. But let's take somebody who calls themselves an expert and let's look at the weight that we put on that person. Like, oh my gosh, they know all the answers. They know all the answers. Well, I'm the first one to tell you, you guys, the answers that I have are because I go in. The information that streams through me is because I am open to a channel. I identify myself as a spiritual being having a human experience. So my where I play is way more in the unseen than it is in the seen. And if you like some of these things, if they're helping you, this is awesome. But understand that all this information is yours too. It's there for you. It's not mine. I'm, there's nothing that I'm doing other than relaxing, getting quiet and opening and getting curious about the things where I'm like, oh my God, I just want an answer for this. I want to know how. I want to know what the black and the white is behind this. And honestly, like what it is, it's, it's attuning to the intuitive voice. So you want more intuition, which is really what you're asking for. How do I intuitively know that this is the race to sign up for? How do I intuitively know that I'm ready for a 100-mile race? How do I intuitively know that um, this is the person for me in my life? How do, I, how do I know this? And that's really what you're asking is like, gosh, how can I tap into the all-knowing part of me that knows that this is the path for me? And it's attuning yourself to the subtle energy of that intuitive voice. So the mind stuff, the ego uses the mind as its organ to work through. The ego is our I self, our individualized expression, right? I'm just, here's the role I play and you're damn straight. I'm going to play that role as best I possibly can. But my freedom is in that I know that this role is not who I am. It's just the role I play. And when I'm done playing this role, the body's going to drop and I'm going to go on to whatever the next role is that I'm I'm here to play or there to play, whatever it may be, wherever I go. I mean, who knows, right? It's the great mystery. But the more you get in touch with that intuitive voice, the more you get in touch with that energy of the great mystery and the energy of the unknown. And oh my God, there's so much safety and protection and beauty and love and power there. I just wouldn't trade it for the world. Now, I have always had a strong intuitive voice. I just felt it from a very young age, okay? But that doesn't make me any different from you. It's just that in other lifetimes, I've practiced this and practiced this. So we look at somebody like Michael Jordan, we say, oh, he's so talented. But if you know anything about Michael Jordan, you know he's the first one on the court and the last one to leave, right? It's like practice, 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 practice. And he didn't come into this world 
as a blank slate. He carried everything that we call natural talent. He carried all of that into this world and then fully expressed it in the way that he needed to express it in this life. So that's the that's what I'm doing too. But I always want more. I want I want to like 100% all the time intuitive voice like mind stuff aside because the mind stuff is delay. It's analysis paralysis. It's the introduction of doubt. It nullifies our first response. And that first response is typically our intuitive self, right? But then we start to overthink it and go, well, it's too expensive. Well, it's too far away. Well, my husband doesn't want me to travel. Well, it's this. When really all of that is mind stuff. And doubt is what takes us off the path of the intuitive voice. Because the thing about the intuitive voice is, it doesn't care what your bank account says. It doesn't care uh, you know, what your spouse says. It doesn't care uh, that you don't have your team gear yet and the race is in two weeks. It doesn't act on logistics. So it acts in a way, this, this energy of intuition acts in a way where it moves in all directions. It's not logical, but um, it comes from an expansive mind, the universal mind that says, this soul needs to be going in this direction and I'm going to continue to guide them. The intuitive voice also will not beg for your attention. It will not yell at you like the mind stuff does. It will not introduce doubt. It just is like this quiet part of us that's like, mm-hmm, yep, that's what I recommend, but I'm not going to beg for you to do it. And the mind stuff is like, throws in all the logic, what makes sense on paper. So how do you begin to attune to the intuitive voice? We all have it, you guys. We all have it. It depends really the ease in which you're going to develop it or the pace, I should say, in, in, in which you will develop this relationship is really going to come from how identified you are with the mind. That's going to determine the pace and the ease in which you develop this relationship with your intuitive self. So a couple of things. Here's a great way to do it during your workouts. Let's say you're out running and you have um, intervals or like a fart lick. And let's say it's 30 seconds. And so you're picking it up for 30 seconds and you're feeling it, right? You really want to feel, you want to be in that present moment. So an experience of presence is being in pure experience independent of the commentary in your mind. And this is why the mind training, putting our awareness on something other than the mind stuff, something other than the thoughts. It's not about stopping the thoughts. It's about training our awareness to be on something else. And presence is about training your awareness to being in the pure experience of that moment doesn't matter if the commentary is still going, but it's almost like being in a restaurant, like a busy restaurant, where you're having a conversation with the person across the table from you, and it's like a really engaging conversation, but there's all this background noise that's happening in the restaurant, but it doesn't distract you. So that's kind of what I'm talking about here. So you're out there, you're doing your run, you're in the interval, and you've got your watch on your wrist, and I want you to feel feel what is 30 seconds, what is 30 seconds, and watch, like the mind will start to go... Oh, it's 30 now. No, that's too soon. It's 30. No. Oh, oh, I probably have missed it, right? Like why? all that mind stuff is going to be there. And I want you to feel, feel your foot strike, feel the time, feel your legs, feel your breath and wait. And when you get that hit 30 seconds, I want you to look at your watch and it might be like 29 seconds. 
or it might be like 42 seconds. And do that over and over and over and over again. This is going to help you understand the tendencies of the mind stuff. This is going to help you understand how we we want to be right, right? That's the ego. Like, I want to nail this. I want to be right on this. It's going to give us an opportunity to detach if we're incorrect or if we've gone over the interval. But most importantly, it's going to give us the opportunity to strengthen our ability to discern between what is the mind and what is the intuitive all-knowing self. Okay, so that's a really fun, I I like it. I used to do, I still do it. I do it a lot and I watch the mind. It's so funny. A lot of the times I nail it. A lot of the times I let the mind go, no, look now. And it's like that one second and you're like, ah, you know, like, why did I do that? Um, And then the other thing is, let's take it to races. So this is a question I get all the time. Like, what race should I do? I don't know what to do. And there's pro and con lists and there's all this stuff. And it's like, just make the decision. What was your first inkling, right? So for me, I like, I just let it come. For me, I just let it come. Meaning, um, okay, Lake Placid. Let's take Lake Placid for an example, Ironman Lake Placid. In 2008, when I finished Ironman Coeur I remember the next day we had a party because at that point in my life, it was all about like do an Ironman and then party hardy, baby, like anything to get some wine or beer in before noon. That was awesome. And eat a lot of cheese. That was, that was the other thing I love to do. Um, so I remember at that party, looking at the um, profile of Coeur d'Alene, which at the time, this was the old bike course, like super hilly. And I know it's still hilly now. I don't know what the bike course is, but you know, we're all, we're all looking at like, what's the next Ironman? What's harder? And we looked at Ironman Lake Placid and I looked at the bike course profile and I was like, oh my God. And in that moment, I knew I was going to be doing Ironman Lake Placid. That was 2008. I just knew it. I knew I was going to do it. But I didn't start planning, oh, I'll do it in 2012 or I'll do it in this, I'll do it in that. I didn't start planning that stuff. I just let life continue. In 2010, Beej and I moved back to Rhode Island and we knew that Ironman Lake Placid was the closest one physically, something that we could drive to. We could take the dogs because that was always our important thing was to take Harry and Lassa with us. Those were our dogs before we had Clark. And um, we drove up there in 2011 and we volunteered. So now I already had the intuitive hit hasn't gone. I know I'm going to do it at some point. We're up there in 2011 and I am like in love with this place and I'm swimming in Mirror Lake and I'm like, oh my God, it's getting closer. It's getting closer. So what do I do? The next day, this was back in the day where you had, you volunteered so you could get the shirt the volunteer shirt, and then wear the volunteer shirt the next day when you stood in a huge line for hours waiting to get your registration in. Because at that point, Iron Man still sold out like crazy. So the best way to get yourself a spot was to volunteer at the race. And yes, this was definitely something that I was like, okay, if I volunteer at the race, I'm going to have that shirt. So I'm definitely going to have that chance to sign up. So the next day I'm there, I sign up. And I remember asking, telling my teacher about this, telling him like, I just knew in 2008 I was going to do it, da, da, da. And he said to me, whenever you are pulled, like you feel a pull somewhere, it's because you have karma 
there. Like there's something for you to work out. And immediately I'm like in fear, like, great, what's going to happen? <laughs> so yeah, what's going to happen? So 2012, I go there and I race. And on the second leg, um, second loop of the bike course, if you're familiar with this, you, you're in Wilmington and you take a left and you're on 86, which is the back stretch of the course going past Whiteface Mountain. And it's like no man's land. It's like super lonely. And I was on pace for an eight hour bike that day because I was staying in my heart rate zone. And I remember riding on that part of it and looking off to the side of the road and seeing the water and the rocks and thinking to myself, well, I can't give up. But if I drove my bike off the side of the road, I'd probably, you know, get hurt and I wouldn't be able to finish the race. Like this was a viable option for me in that moment. Of course, I didn't do it. I kept going. It was, oh man, a tough day. And that karma that I had to work out was just finding the peace and the chaos, was finding the calm and the storm. So I went back in 2014 and what I had to work out there, and I was heavy into reading the Bhagavad Gita at this point, and that's always my pre-race book. It's the every man's battle of the mind, the one we all must wage to find out who the heck we truly are in this life. It's the best. It's the only book you need. And that was the year that they pulled hundreds of people from the water because of a thunder and lightning storm. It was downpours. I was already out of the water and on the bike at this point. And I was on the long, I think it's about a seven mile descent. I think it's um 73 into Keene. And it was downpours. It was it was like end of the world stuff. And I'm on my bike in my little kit, <laughs> sleeveless. I think I had arms on. I'm shaking so bad because I'm so cold. My feet are coming unclipped from the pedals. The brakes don't work. And that was a day that I learned to surrender. And I remember from the Gita when Krishna is telling Arjuna, trying to describe to Arjuna who he is. And he says something along the lines of, you know, I hold back the rain and I release it. And I thought to myself, anything can change. Relax. Just relax. There's something divine happening here. Don't fight it. There's nothing to be scared. And, and frankly, I was going so fast, and I had no brakes, and I thought, well, if I crash, like it's done. So just relax. That's the best thing you can do right now. And I surrendered that day. And I'll never forget that because it has come in so handy in my life and the scary moments of life where I realize and remember this comfort of surrender. So the intuition, you guys, test it out. You get the hit, do it. And nullify all doubt around the decision by letting your yes be yes and your no be no. Because the moment we begin to introduce doubt, we are keeping ourselves from an experience that our souls need to have, that we need to come through the other side of. And karma, we always think, is negative, but it's not. 
And the more we surrender and the more we trust, the more we are bringing in, inviting in this intelligent source energy that loves us unconditionally. And another part of the Gita, uh, Arjuna says, well, what about those people who are like done all this really bad stuff? Like, and then they start, you know, um, you know, walking on the path or what if they start walking on this spiritual path and then they start doing really bad stuff? Like what happens to them? And Krishna says, no effort is a waste. And anyone who begins to walk this path of the awake athlete will be provided with a protection that you will be protected. We live in honorable ethics of truthfulness and non-harm and non-stealing, meaning we're not here to save anyone but ourselves. We are here to share generously, to open our hearts, to find contentment, to look at what we can be grateful for. We begin to live in these beautiful, powerful ways of life. And we open up to this protective energy. And it will protect us from the greatest fears. And I was protected on both of those days at Ironman Lake Placid. I have made many decisions that as soon as I say yes, they feel like a no, but I stay with them. And it's through those experiences, it's through those little, okay, 30 seconds now, look, that I have strengthened my intuitive voice. One other thing that you can do is at the end of your meditation, you're in, you're in the calm space. I don't care if it's five minutes or an hour and a half. It doesn't matter. It's consistency. It's time over duration. You finish your meditation. You open your eyes. You feel the state of calm that you're in. And you look around. And take like two minutes to do this. Look around. Take it all in. And what happens with there is that you begin to merge in your meditative self with your physical surroundings, the physical world, the density of what we call reality. And as you do that, your meditative self begins to have more robustness within the constructs of this physical world. So that's another great way to do it. Okay, I hope that's helpful, you guys, because that intuitive voice, all-knowing, ever powerful and limitless. It loves you, it guides you, and it will absolutely ask you to do scary things. But let your yes be yes. And let your no be no. And give yourself a shot at the most epic life possible. 